I thought that that was a movie about a man who has sex with the woman he drives around. I thought it was a sex movie. <laughs> so no. Oh my God. I've never seen Driving Miss Daisy. <laughs> Welcome back to This Week in Film. It's the weekly podcast where we get together and talk about the movies we've seen over the past seven days, or one of the movies we forgot to talk about during last week's marathon. I'm Nick Pinanto, joined as always by Midwest Matt Lauer. Matt, how's it going? It's going all right, Nick Pinanto. How are you? <laughs> I'm, I'm fine. Yeah. Things are great. Everyone wash your hands and stay away from people. There, we did our civic duty. Yeah, no, be careful. Stay safe out there. Yeah, I'm essential. And so, <laughs> Matt, I assume you have seen some movies this week because you told me that in a text message. Yeah, I have seen four movies. Yep, I've oh, seen God. four movies this week. Uh, wow. Would you like to know what they are? Yes. I saw Birds of Prey. Oh, my God. Tell you what. Uh, I saw Green Book. Oh, man, really? Oh, yeah, I did. <laughs> I was going to watch doing? that, and then I didn't. Oh, that's uh. too bad. And then I watched Jumanji, The Next Level. Mm-hmm. And I watched, get ready for this one. You're not going to see this coming. I promise. Cirque du Freak, The Vampire's Assistant. <laughs> what? That's exactly <laughs> what you should say. Uh, well, I have seen yeah. two movies this week. I want to say three, but one of them was like a Netflix documentary series that everyone watched this week because no one's allowed to go to work. The Tiger thing? I did. Did you watch it? Nope. Oh, nah. damn it. You should spoil it. It's all good. No, I won't because it's it's amazing. But anyway, uh, so yeah, I saw uh, Tiger King on Netflix, which is like a seven hour documentary. It could be three times as long. I'm serious. I also watched 1917 and A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood. Oh. So since since you won the crown of most movies this week, Matt, why don't you kick things off? Oh man, where to begin? Oh god, I don't even know. Well, I'll just start with Birds of Prey. How about that? Okay. All right. All right. So Birds of Prey is a movie about Margot Robbie. I mean... Harley Quinn, and she and the Joker have broken up. So she is on her own. And boy, do you hear repeatedly that she and the Joker broke up. But the idea is that because she's gone around pissing everybody off for the last however many years, and she's been safe doing that because people were terrified of the Joker, if they find out she's single, they're going to want to kill her. And they probably want to kill some other women too. And she ends up kind of teaming up with these women, including Canary or Black Canary, I think, Huntress and the police. Uh, Oh, shoot. Now I don't remember her name. Montoya, the uh, detective Montoya played by Rosie Perez. And Montoya, like from the cartoon? <clears throat> mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. I mean, Harley Quinn's only from the cartoon. That's where she showed up. That's where she began. That's true. So, yeah. And uh, I feel like I'm missing somebody, but I think, uh, no, I think that's not. That's, well, and there's this young girl that's with them the whole time because this girl has a diamond that I'm going to quasi spoil some stuff here. Um, Go ahead. Stuff is because she swallowed it. So they want this diamond back because it's got, I don't know, I think a treasure coordinates 
etched into it or something. I think they actually totally forget about that. <laughs> Honestly, I think the movie forgets that people want the diamond for a reason. And the people after the diamond is Black Mask, played by Ewan McGregor. Hmm. So that's the plot. This movie was interesting. I went in with extremely low expectations. I was just trying to find something that Karina and I could watch together through Skype because I'm on quarantine. So we were looking for something kind of lighthearted and thought, sure, why not? I don't want to watch this by myself. And there are some good things and some bad things. The movie itself is strange. It's kind of all over the place and there are completely unnecessary scenes. Like there's one point where I think it's in the previews where Harley Quinn like sings a song briefly in sort of a Marilyn Monroe sexy red dress men around her in suits or maybe madonna would be a better comparison like a 1940s kind of thing yeah there's sort of this like retro noir kind of feel that scene has nothing to do with anything at all it's like 20 seconds long it's just there for no reason and there's a lot of stuff like that that's just thrown in for no reason now one of the things i expected to dislike the most about this movie was harley quinn I didn't like her that much in, oh, what was that movie that I really did not like? Suicide Squad. Oh, yeah, yeah. Me and everybody else. <laughs> yeah, Suicide Squad. So I was like, uh, she's going to be pretty annoying having to deal with her that long. I'm going to be honest with you, though. Surprisingly, Harley Quinn was probably the most enjoyable part of the movie. She was still kind of annoying. She's a bit, you know, much. And at first I was like, oh, gosh, I think this is the sort of thing that if I'm not going to enjoy Margot Robbie performing, it's going to be this. But by the end of the movie, I was like, you know what? She's, she's, she's actually the highlight of the movie. And in some ways, that's not saying much. And in other ways, it's it's pretty good. There are a few moments where the jokes landed. There's a moment where she's, <laughs> she says to somebody, she's like, you killed my sandwich. And you're going to have to see the movie to kind of get the joke, but it's sort of a throwback line to something earlier on. And I'm like, that's pretty funny. I actually like that. For everything that there's a good version of, there's also some versions that aren't that great. So the jokes, definitely. There are jokes that don't land. There are things where it's just like, oh, this is kind of annoying. But I don't think it's Margot Robbie. And I don't think it's necessarily, you know, the character of Harley Quinn, but it's just how some of the jokes are written. And there's a lot of people trying to be tough in this movie. So there are lines and jokes that don't land, but the ones that do are pretty funny. Like I made me actually laugh out loud a little bit here and there. And the action scenes, there are some action scenes that just are like, eh, this is kind of, it's very colorful and there's a lot going on on the screen, but it really just seems busy doesn't seem very good. But then there's this one action scene where she's got a baseball bat and she's kind of going nuts on some people and it is pretty fun. So that's good. The bad, the young girl is awful. So, you know, I'm sure she's a good person, but her acting in this movie is not good. Canary played by uh, Zoe Kravitz does not have any personality and does not emote until maybe like the last few minutes of the movie, like maybe the last 10, 15 minutes of the movie. And then all of a sudden she's making jokes and having sort of expressive reactions to things where I'm like, this is not the same character at all. What's, what's going on right now? Is Zoe Kravitz the same girl who's been cast as Catwoman in the Batman? Maybe. I don't know. Uh, That'd be weird, isn't it? Let's uh, let's let's hop on over to uh, IMDb here. Stands for the Internet Movie Database. It's a website owned by Amazon, and it's a comprehensive compendium of the movies. 
Did you get it yet? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> am I wrong here? Maybe she's not in it. Who? What the heck? Hold on. Who am I confusing her with? Because I thought it was her and she is, it is not in her filmography. <laughs> Are you saying it's the girl who played Black Canary? Yeah. It's Journey Smollett Bell. Oh. I wonder if she's related to that Smollett guy. Jesse Smollett? Yeah, the one who ruined his career. Yeah, maybe. You know what? I don't know then, because I was thinking, boy, I don't like Zoe Kravitz in anything. Maybe I've just always thought this young lady is Zoe Kravitz, and she's not. Poor Zoe Kravitz. Sorry, Zoe Kravitz. Uh, Takes it all back. Boy, this has just thrown me off completely. (laughs) (laughs) Well, in this case, I owe an apology to Zoe Kravitz, although she was in the Fantastic Beasts movie, and she was not good in that. But I won't hold her responsible for this. This other young lady, on the other hand, it was weird because she was very monotone throughout the whole movie. And then at the end was just suddenly emotive and it was weird and it was out of nowhere. Other things that were not so great. I guess this kind of goes into the weird category, but the the energy that Ewan McGregor brings to this movie is very, very strange. And I've read comics with Black Mask in it. And he's always seemed like just a really mean dude. This guy's like kind of manic throughout the movie. He's really like hyperactive and stuff. And Black Mask waits forever to actually become menacing. And then there's a scene where he is and all of a sudden he's really threatening. And it's just like it sort of comes out of nowhere. And then he puts on his mask for literally like 10 seconds. I I swear there is not more than 10 seconds of screen time in which he's wearing this mask and can be seen on the screen. It's weird. It's really weird. But in terms of people acting tough and stuff, there's a lot of forced cursing. There's like a really unnecessary amount of F-bombs in this movie. It's probably some sort of cash grab on ter- in terms of like, you know, taking advantage of the fact that like Deadpool's out there. So that's, that's kind of right. what this movie felt like. It's kind of like it wanted to be a Deadpool movie. The story is told kind of out of order and it sort of works. It definitely seems like they just did this to try to come up with something interesting, but the way it's told, it actually kind of works. So this movie is a real ball of weird because it's such a mix of like things that just, it's like one thing will work. Another thing won't one thing will work. Another thing won't. And there's just not any consistency. There are also a lot of inconsistencies in the movie in terms of like kind of like, like continuity error type stuff. Oh, so I, I couldn't I couldn't put my finger on this movie. All in all, I kind of enjoyed it. <laughs> so, wow, really? Uh, yeah, it's weird. It's weird. I would say turn this movie on if you want something in the background or you're really just, you know, you, you kind of really want to turn off your brain and just kind of sit back. Yeah. So, you know, you and Jill are hanging out. You got some popcorn and you just want to kill a little time. You could watch this. Oh, now I got to buy popcorn. Yeah. I mean, you could toast some bread and eat toast. Ooh. Yeah, toast. Mmm, dry toast. (laughs) So, yeah. I like to pretend I'm a baby bird and... Wait, no. Ew. (laughs) (laughs) Baby birds eat throw up. I like to pretend I'm a grown bird where I eat... I'm a man bird. And I eat dried bread crumbs. (laughs) What? Okay. (laughs) All right, then. (laughs) All right, so... I guess the first thing I will talk about is 1917. Ah. This was from the year 2019, 
and is directed by Sam Mendes. It is a World War I movie that follows these two British soldiers who get tasked with having to stop this this nearby British battalion is going to do a charge, but they don't realize they're walking into a trap. So these two guys have to get over there as fast as they can to stop the attack before every, everyone gets slaughtered. And the thing that's real notable about this movie is that I think it's shot almost exclusively on Steadicam. I want to say 100% on Steadicam. And it is designed to look like one long shot. The movie right, takes place yeah. over the course of, of really just a few hours. And it's supposed to look like one continuous shot. And it's gorgeous. It is wonderful to look at. It is so well made and well done. And it's really quite good. But... At no point did I feel like I was watching a movie. Huh? I felt like I was watching a cutscene from a Call of Duty video game the entire time. Oh. And I felt like rather than there being two British soldiers, there were three of us. There was the main guy, the other guy, and us, the guy who never says anything. And I just kept I just kept waiting for the other guy to look at us and go, man, you really don't say that much, do you? Yeah, you're the kind of guy that keeps his mind on the job. You know, like when there's nothing going on and the guy and they talk to you instead of each other, but your your character doesn't talk. So you just don't respond. And that's what the whole movie felt like is you're just with these guys as the third guy in this battle. And in that sense, it's the best video game movie that has ever been made. It's really good. It's beautiful. Like I said, it's beautiful to look at lots of beautiful colors, like the contrast between the light and the dark. And there's this one scene at night where this building is on fire and this, this whole town just looks like it's burning down mm. and it's just gorgeous. Like, I wish I had seen this. If, like if this I'm sure is going to be playing in theaters for years, but I can't wait to see this movie again in a theater rather than on my on my TV because it's it's like a spectacle of a of a film. Just like the use of colors and shadows and light and I love study cam stuff, so it's wonderful to look at. But like from a story point of view, it's pretty it's here's a day in the life, basically. We gotta get from here to there. All this stuff is gonna happen to us and it's over. So in that sense, this, like the plot of the movie is pretty lacking, but you're not really there for the plot. It's kind of like Saving Private Ryan, where you're not really there for the plot of Saving Private Ryan. You're there to see these guys in in these war situations, mm -hmm. which is why like every five minutes they're in a different kind of battle. And in that sense, it really does achieve its goal. Like you really feel like at moments you're I would never say I, I now know what it's like to be in the trenches of World War One because I'm not stupid but like you really get a, a sense of what it could be like and at no point while you're watching this or at least for me and my and my wife agreed is that we kept forgetting that this was a, a modern film made in 2019 mm -hmm. and that just offset is some guy looking at his cell phone like you really you okay. really lose yourself it does in the, take you in the, yeah like you really get engrossed in 1917 and it's harrowing it's pretty dark and it's pretty exciting and the acting is is very good i just would have liked a little meteor meteor of a plot mm -hmm. and you want to plot I about like a meteor i get you yeah like if armageddon could take place during world war one and somehow they have to put bruce willis up there too bruce willis also needs to be in this movie <laughs> but yeah i i enjoyed this movie quite a bit and I would like to watch it again, maybe later, not right away, but I, I enjoyed it a lot. And I would recommend everyone go see it because it, what these guys went through is, is not, it's not fair. 
it's not fair at all what what these people had to go through and then come home and live a regular life so there you go i mean i guess you could say that about any war but like this war was like the first of the modern wars and no one knew how to fight it mm-hmm. so everyone wonder woman wasn't there to absorb all the bullets <laughs> so it's 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 pretty dark and then you see all the the barbed wire and stuff and there's like just people trapped in it like they're just dead in these barbed wires and you're like, oh, what a way to, that's awful. And you're just, you just feel terrible for all these people that like there's dudes that are shell shocked in the trenches and you're just like, oh man, you got to get your shit together. You're going to die. I know it sucks. Like, like everything is terrible. There is no, there is no winning here. So very, very good. I just wish the plot had a little bit more for me. It's really just about the viewing experience of it. Oh, also, the main character of the movie suffers about 14 massive concussions during the uh. movie to the point to the point where at the end I'm not sure what's happening is actually happening because of all the head injuries this guy is <laughs> like suffered. is this just being imagined like is he still just asleep did, did anything happen in this movie but uh yeah I I would totally recommend checking out it's very it's very good it's very interesting. Okay. Okay. Yeah, no, I, that's, that's cool. I, I was kind of on the fence with seeing that in the theater. Cause like I, I wanted to, but then I heard kind of like you, you're saying where it's like, it's kind of light on the story and the character stuff and sounded like it might just be a little cheesy, but yeah, that's not, I wouldn't say it's cheesy, but they've got some really big stars in it. Uh-huh. The kid, one of the main characters is actually Tommen from game of Thrones. And my wife pointed that out and I was like, Oh, well, he got older. Who's Tommen? And Tommen, yeah. one of Cersei's kids, he was like the king after Joffrey. Oh, oh okay. Yeah, I get you. He and, jumped out uh, a window, right? Spoiler alert. And and so he's he's in the movie, and then Colin Firth is in it, and Benedict Cumberbatch is in it. And it's just like, there are like 10 characters with lines in this movie. Uh-huh. And everyone who has a line is like a star. Like you recognize all of them. You're like, oh yeah, that guy. Oh yeah, yeah. that guy. And that kind of takes you out of it a little bit. I kind of wish they had just gone with kind of no you names. really recognize. Yeah. 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 Because it, all of a sudden Benedict Cumberbatch shows up and you're like, oh, why is Doctor Strange here? <gasps> is Nick Fury going to show up and enlist this guy? Because that would be crazy. That doesn't happen. That's Spoiler alert. Best. Spoiler alert. <laughs> so you're this spoiling not things the that didn't happen. The- <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Okay. So on to the next film. I am going to make a risky move here and go from accidentally confusing two African-American actors and dive on into Green Book. Oh, how uh, exciting. Yeah. So here. Can I an, say. Yes. Can I. Before you begin, I don't really know anything about this movie other than it's this is this is the feeling that I have about it. And you can tell me if I'm right or wrong, but it's how most white people would view themselves uh you're not as far as as far as race relations are concerned where where everyone else is the problem but not me kind of kind of not completely because the main character i mean there are really two main characters these two guys but you're pretty much seeing it through the eyes of the white character he starts off quote unquote racist Mm-hmm. and grows throughout the movie. So I didn't know actually much about this movie either. I didn't know what it was actually about. I just knew that it's it's not actually addressing what it's trying to address in a very successful intelligent way ah that's what i uh, that's what i knew the the other thing that i i want to know about it is at the end of the movie is it supposed to be like you're welcome black people uh 
you know, how about I just talk about the movie? <laughs> okay, great. Because you're 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 not completely wrong, but it's it's a little oversimplified to say that it's completely just white savior stuff. That's um, the word I was looking for. I couldn't remember that phrase. I'd heard that phrase. It's it's definitely got enough of that. So in a way, yes, but I think it's it's not quite only that. Mm-hmm. So all right, so the the plot is this: a guy who's pretty racist for the first few minutes of the movie, Italian dude played by Vigo Mortensen, becomes the driver for an African American piano player who he is going to be driving and bodyguarding. Uh, and more or less like chauffeuring around the deep south Mm -hmm. on a tour now this i want to say his name was dr shirley the piano player who who does have a doctorate and a couple different degrees he's a very very educated extremely proper kind of plays the musician guy uh mahershala ali oh i know that guy wasn't he in i think he was in luke cage i don't know haven't seen luke cage luke cage was cool but so he's He's going with him, and, and before they go, before he takes this job being his driver, they, they probably just should have not had the first scene where he's at his house, and there are two African-American guys in the house working on something, like the air conditioner or something like that, and his wife gives them drinks, and he throws away the glasses that they used, and it's like, I am super racist. And then, I mean, like, throughout the movie, he definitely misunderstands the position that Mahershala Ali's character's in. He, oh, and this is based on a true story, by the way. He doesn't really understand oh. where he's coming from. He's not exactly like Kuth or um, he doesn't have a lot of tact or anything. But mm-hmm. the the part of it where there's like prejudice and hatred is really toned down a lot there's a lot less hatred and a lot more sort of systemic racism and Mm -hmm. so this it's a weird thing to try to discuss this movie because there are things about it that are done that that wouldn't be able to be done if it was all about hatred based racism like anger and resentment but when it comes to the systemic racism stuff because a lot of the things are more subtle some of that's illustrated fairly well i don't know that the main character recognizes it or really learns to to kind of be aware of what he's doing even though he's also supposed to be growing and developing a new kind of relationship that he wouldn't have expected with this guy so i'll I'll come back to some of that once i get to the the bad and the weird stuff but the good that's in this movie is definitely the performances vigo mortensen and mahershala ali are both really really good playing these roles So even where the writing is bad or janky, their performances still bring you in a lot. I I ended up having both characters really grow on me, even though I was also going, this isn't a realistic sort of pace to the changes. And I feel like at a lot of turns, this movie is dodging stuff that would have gone down a different way between them. And even in situations where like they're running into violence or hatred in the the world outside of the two of them. Mm -hmm. There are moments where people do stand up to other people and you do feel good, but it's also kind of like you were saying, like some of the moments where it's the Vigo Mortensen character standing up to somebody, it seems a little too like, ah, look at this guy. He's standing up for the black man. And I'm like, man, this guy's really forced gumping his way through a lot of stuff here. I don't know. <laughs> and and yes, I would like to coin the term for forced gump as a verb for myself. There are some jokes in the movie that are kind of funny. 
you know, here and there, there's a kind of cute moments. Vigo Mortensen's character is trying to write his letter, uh, write his wife some letters while they're on the road. And some of those moments are kind of cute. And uh, I think it's a pretty well shot movie in terms of being really pretty. You know, there's some beautiful shots. Okay, so back to some of the bad stuff here. Conflicts wrap up too easily. Like I said, they sort of dodge things and, and keep them from going as, as dark or as harsh as they could or seem like they would. And then when it comes to things that do kind of happen where something explodes a bit, it seems like no matter what it is, it's just few, a few minutes later, it's things are okay again. Even if something actually violent happens to someone, they're all right a few minutes later. The racist guy too easily becomes open-minded to racism and some other things that happen throughout the movie, but I'll let you discover those on your own. But there are a couple of things where you're like, I don't think he would be quite that open-minded to that. Come on now. There are some moments of like camaraderie or, or togetherness that feels pretty forced and and again the actors do a decent job of acting through these moments but it does feel like boy i can really feel the writer's hand here just making this happen making these people bond more and even just like say more than they might in the situations that happen you know what i mean where sometimes people would be like you're like in real world those two people if they got along in that moment or came out of it closer it might be in a uh, like they exchange a look and that's about it yeah and i was just gonna say that yeah too much we're both clever about this situation. Quips. Yeah, yeah, a little bit. Yeah, it's like, uh, I don't know that people would spell that out that much. And yeah, there are a few moments that feel pretty white savory. Yeah, It sounds like a steak. <laughs> That's savory. White savory. <laughs> yeah. And it feels like some of the, f- the facts have been like fudged around to in order to make points. Now that said, I'm going to go into the weird and say that while this movie feels like racism education junior, like at some point I said to to Karina, I was like, I feel like this is a lesson in systemic racism brought to you by Nickelodeon. <laughs> you know? Mm, um, okay. It's a little too light and mild, but I do think it is worth recognizing that the systemic racism stuff that's in it doesn't get to be in a lot of movies that are about race because so many of them do emphasize more of the violence and the most purposely hate-filled, you know, N-word type of stuff that's just like, I don't want to say over the top because it's real stuff. But Now you said N-word. What do you... No, just kidding. <laughs> just keep going. <laughs> Jesus. Um... So, so, you know, that really like acidic kind of stuff, when the movies are about that, there's not much room for systemic racism to be observed. You can't Um, have something subtle if someone's screaming the N word at somebody. Yeah. Yeah. And so this movie's a little bit strange because I think it does actually end up touching on some things that don't get spelled out elsewhere. And maybe this relationship is a good relationship in which to do that, but it does end up feeling very weird and pretty manipulated. So it's got, it's got this like fishy feel to it. It's it just, everything seems a little like, oh, this is a little too, a little too easy, a little too smooth. People are a little, a little, a little too nice in spite of the fact that they're doing what they're doing with each other. And yet you still have these two actors doing a good job of like being uncomfortable with each other, but also, also enjoying each other. It's, you're going to have to see this to know exactly what I mean here. But if you give the movie a lot of wiggle room, you'll probably enjoy it. You'll see that it's, it's not as smart as it thinks it is, but I, I do think too, that you'll walk away from it. Appreciating Viggo Mortensen and Mahershal, all these performances, 
I think it's worth watching. It's not something that I would say if you already have like a an interest in race relations and systemic racism in politics, you're probably not going to find something that really blows your mind or teaches you something very new. Mm-hmm. But you might enjoy the movie still. So there. Are they as close as Morgan Freeman and what's her name and Driving Miss Daisy by the end of the movie? I never saw it. You never seen Driving Miss Daisy? Uh, until like eight years ago or something, I thought that that was a movie about a man who has sex with the woman he drives around. I thought it was a sex movie. <laughs> so no, oh my God. I've never seen Driving Miss Daisy. Oh, it's very good. You know, I don't think I've ever watched the entire thing in one sitting because it's always on like TNT or something and I'll catch like 20 minutes of it here or there. Like I don't ever, I don't think I've ever seen the entire movie and I'm not entirely sure how it ends. We should uh, do a commentary track on driving this. No. <laughs> that, that, it's yeah, very good. Morgan Freeman watch. and uh, Morgan Freeman's excellent in that movie. And then the woman is uh, Miss Daisy is uh, not some Betty lady. White. Should have been not Betty, Betty White. White. Yeah. But she's excellent in the movie, too. And they become good friends by the end of the movie and you feel good about yourself. Well, you know, some of the stuff that came out about Green Book was that how things were illustrated in the movie, particularly regarding. But, but Dr. Shirley, like his life, uh, apparently some of the stuff was really misconstrued and skewed around and his relationships with his family and stuff were different than they were portrayed in the movie. So the family was pretty upset about how the story went in the in the movie, how it was uh, depicted. So. You know, I don't know how much you actually learn about these actual people. They did remain friends, but like it's I feel like since you can pick out some of these themes and what it's trying to illustrate about more systemic racism, I kind of feel like whoever wrote it wanted to make those points and found this relate and I'm just making this up. I, I it's just my read on things, but that they just found this relationship and went, Okay, I can use this one to make these points. And I guess that was pretty upsetting for, for this, you know, for his family, for Dr. Shirley's family. Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll leave it there. Okay. Uh, I, I guess I'll hit on a couple different specifics in brief when we get to the, the rating stuff, but there's nothing else I really need to say in summary. Okay. What's uh, your next movie? The second movie that I watched this week was A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood from 2019, directed by Mariel Heller. It stars Tom Hanks and Matthew Reese and Chris Cooper. And this movie is about a reporter who works for Esquire magazine. I want to say Esquire. You see the magazine title about a million times. So I'm going to say Esquire. <laughs> okay. um, he gets assigned, and I guess he's this real combative reporter that everyone kind of hates. And I guess he's on like his last, he's at the end of his rope with Esquire because they've kind of had it with him. And so they give him this softball to interview Mr. Rogers, the beloved children's TV host. And this guy's like, oh, I like doing hard hitting pieces. And she's like, no one will talk to you because everyone hates you go interview Mr. Rogers. And he's like, okay. And you spend a whole lot of time with this dude. And I thought that this movie was about Mr. Rogers. Uh huh. And it's not. No. It's about, it's about this guy, Lloyd, uh-huh. and his relationship with his father and how that impacts his relationship with his wife and his new son. And man, I really thought this was going to be about Mr. Rogers. And Mr. Huh. Rogers is in it, and Tom Hanks plays Mr. Rogers, and he's terrific. He's Tom Hanks. He's always good. But I just was expecting a Mr. Rogers movie, yeah. not, a Lloyd, not a Lloyd Vogel movie with Mr. Rogers in it. it that, that really kind of threw me off to the point where I, I think I didn't enjoy it as much as I 
could have, but it's still pretty good. The performances are great. So the, like I said, the basic plot is this writer gets assigned to interview Mr. Rogers for a, a thing about heroes. And what was supposed to be like a 500 word interview turns into like this magazine length interview about what a good person Mr. Rogers is. And this this guy plays like your everyday kind of cynic where he says, basically, Mr. Rogers calls him up first and just tries to get to know him. Like Mr. Ro- Mr. Rogers just spends a whole lot of time trying to get to know him while he's trying to get to know Mr. Rogers to the point where the guy's like getting furious with him, where he's like, just answer my questions. And Mr. Rogers like, we'll answer my questions about your father. And you're like, oh, weird. This is where this movie took another strange turn for me, is that I know Mr. Rogers and Tom Hanks were supposedly the nicest people that ever existed. Uh And I know Tom Hanks is still alive. The coronavirus hasn't taken him from us yet. And the Mr. Rogers was also the same way. Like he was like a living, when he was alive, he was a living saint. And this movie really dives into that. And this movie also really dives into what I hate about people, which is, or I'm sorry, what I hate about myself, about people. And my wife also pointed this out where she's like, this guy is everything you are, where you just think everybody wants something from you. Uh, And so the whole time Mr. Rogers is talking with this guy, he's like waiting for the con to happen where he's like okay yeah all right so when the camera stopped rolling what do you actually think and mr rogers like what do you mean and he's like yeah like like yeah you do this but like when the cameras aren't on you what how do you actually feel and mr rogers like i don't know what you mean but i gotta go and so like he leaves and the guy's like that's it that's the whole interview for after like five minutes and then later that night mr rogers just calls him and talks to him on the phone for forever and it's it's interesting and mr rogers is just this genuinely nice person who cares about other people and he doesn't want anything in return uh-huh. and i find that innately distrustful <laughs> i just <laughs> I, I do not trust that at all. I'm on I'm on board with this Lloyd guy, and uh, like he doesn't trust him either. And then he starts seeing him and in his everyday life, and it gets it gets real trippy to the point where you're not entirely sure what's going on. And the movie does not do a good job of separating what's in his imagination and what's actually happening. So I, I oh, won't so, get into. So there are things that you see that are just his imagination. Maybe. I'm I'm not sure. Oh. Yeah, it's it's a little ambiguous and confusing, especially like in the towards the the end of the middle part. It gets it gets very confusing where you're like, did that actually happen or is he just imagining this? And so from a story point of view, it's it's pretty basic. Like you you kind of know what's going to happen like immediately. The the main character has this terrible relationship with his father and you know something's going to happen between him and the father and Mr. Rogers is going to have something to do with it. And you're like, okay, let's just get this over with. And then it does. And then it gets real saccharine where you're like, wow, these two have really come a long way in a very short amount of time. And it kind of makes sense like timing wise, but at the same time, you're like, okay, it's a little hallmarky. You're really there for the Mr. Rogers performance. And while I will say that Tom Hanks is very good and very genuine and, and very much like Mr. Rogers, because they show a clip of Mr. Rogers and you're like, wow, he really nailed that for the most part uh-huh. uh, as much as much as he could there is something unbelievably sinister about tom hanks's mr rogers where (laughs) where i'm gonna make a fan trailer for this movie where it's a horror movie because there's just something dark behind those eyes where you're just like wow this is he is a terrifying individual like at, at one point 
the main character asks Mr. Rogers, he says something along the lines of, it must have been really tough for your kids growing up being the children of Mr. Rogers. And Rogers stops for a moment and looks at him and he goes, you know, I never thought of it that way. Thank you for bringing that to my attention. I thank you for giving now. Thank you for providing me with that perspective. And you're like, oh, God, Mr. Rogers is going to murder someone. <laughs> and you're, like, you're like, Lloyd's never getting out of this apartment alive. And, and of course he does because Mr. Rogers is a nice guy. But there's just something unbelievably sinister in the way that he delivers these lines that was cracking me up the whole time. Like, I just couldn't wait for him to talk again because, like, at one point he shows up with a pie and he's like, here's a pie. It's laced with poison, but where? And you're going to eat it. You're going to eat all of it. So you're going to get the poison. It's just like, he's just, it was funny in the moment. And so he's, uh, and so it's just like a lot of that where you're just, uh, it, it kind of pulls you out of it a little bit, but you can appreciate the performance. I can understand why Tom Hanks was up for, I want to say best actor for this. Wow. Uh, Cause he is really quite good in it. The main guy's kind of eh, but Chris Cooper is just kind of eh, and that's really your cast. The The main lady, uh, the main character's wife, at one point Mr. Rogers calls them in the middle of the night or maybe very early in the morning, and she answers the phone, and, he, and Mr. Rogers knows her name because he's the nicest man in the world, and she's like, hello, and he goes, hi, this is, is this Abigail? I don't know if that's the character's name, and she's like, yeah, and he goes, hi, this is Fred Rogers, and I was hoping to speak with your husband, but since I got you on the phone, I wanted to ask you about your child and he's just being polite and she's and she's like okay but the way he delivers it is just your child belongs to me now (laughs) Uh, but she looks at her husband and gives him this look like mr rogers is talking to me on the phone and he knows my name this is amazing and you're like oh that's a very genuine moment so it's a movie filled with a lot of those moments where you just kind of smile and you feel good about you feel good about life and maybe you shouldn't be so suspicious of everybody but by the end i I had talked myself back into my general suspicious demeanor. Okay. Sorry. (laughs) Hoping you came out of that a little more comfortable with the world. Nope. Made me feel even even more sure in my way of thinking because everyone is so shocked by how nice Mr. Rogers is. Now I'm just, I'm I'm even more scared because I realized I let my guard down. (laughs) (laughs) I let this man in the door. He seduced me into dropping my protective factors. (laughs) <laughs> all right so are you done with that i think so i think that's okay. all i got i'm gonna save the weirdest movie for last and i'm gonna go with jumanji the next level okay so the plot of jumanji the next level is uh the members or, or the the people that were in the original movie end up back in jumanji except they bring danny glover and danny devito with them and danny de Glo- danny de glover <laughs> they become one person <laughs> known as amazing. danny de glover <laughs> uh danny devito is uh is he tall or short danny de glover glover yeah uh he's he's in between no so so danny devito is the the boy that was in the first one kind of decides to go back to jumanji and that's how everybody ends up back in there he's feeling pathetic so he goes into jumanji and everyone's like oh shit we gotta go after him now danny devito and danny glover get sucked in because they happen to be in the house at the same time and danny devito is transport like the avatar he's put into is the rock and the avatar that danny glover's put into is the kevin hart character and so that's the majority of the movie 
And just the plot the is then they end the up the opposite of Danny DeVito and the opposite of Danny Glover. More or less. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, and then they go through Jumanji. They're, the plot is not that important and the movie would agree. It's, it's not quite as good as the original one or the, not the original, forget the original. I mean like the one that came out like two years ago. Yeah. It's, it's more disjointed, more forced, more coincidental. There are a lot of scenes that are like just kind of thrown in there. It's, it's just there for the sake of jokes. The character stuff is where it shines a little bit more because the acting is good. I mean like the rock and Kevin Hart do such a good job that I, I, this is going to sound so stupid, but there were times that I did have to remind myself that this is the rock pretending to be Danny DeVito in the rock, (laughs) you know, like it's, it was effective. A couple of the jokes are kind of funny, a lot of pretty colors and those performances are fun. Aquafina's in this too. She's not in it the whole time, but she shows up and I don't know what it is about Aquafina, but I really like her and I enjoyed her in this movie too. Those are the highlights. I don't oh, have oh, much boy. more to say about that. The bad, it's pretty much what I said. It's kind of disjointed and, and convenient. Oh man. And there's this ongoing joke. It's so tiring. And the joke is that it, both of the old guys, but particularly the Danny DeVito rock character doesn't understand that they're in a video game. And it goes on almost through the entire movie. It's, it's really annoying. And and that's about it, honestly. Like, I really don't have much more to say about it. There's not much more to it. And yeah, that's it. Sorry. That's, wow. Uh, that's all. Very bland, I guess. I, I guess. I mean, I if you if you watch the first one and you like it, go ahead and go back for the second one. You'll probably enjoy the performances. But mm-hmm. go into it knowing that it's just more sloppy. It's just kind of jammed. It has the feeling of a movie that was forced to come out too quickly. And it did. You know, I mean, that's that's mm-hmm. well, how long did they have to work on it? Like maybe a year. If that like they yeah. crank those two movies out. Yeah. It, real quickly. So it, it fe- you feel it. You feel it. Okay. But if you do enjoy the first, if you don't enjoy the first one that much, I would say don't bother with it at all. But if you enjoy the first one and you feel like you just kind of want another dose of it, it'll be all right. Okay. Well, that sounds good enough, I guess. Yeah. Did you have fun? To be honest with you, I, I had some fun, but I'd if I if I had to choose, I'd rather watch Birds of Prey again. Wow. Okay. Yeah. I'm surprised too. <laughs> I really am. <laughs> now, d- just to be clear, I don't want to watch Birds of Prey again. <laughs> But if I had to choose, I'd say it was more fun. So what else have you got? Well, the last thing that I have isn't quite a movie as it is a Netflix documentary series called Tiger King. It came out, I guess, last week or very recently. And everyone I know on the Facebook is watching it because everyone is home from work. And so... I was home from work today because it's my weekend. And I said, hey, I'm going to watch this. And according to Netflix, it's only just a a shade over five hours. Ah. So it's not quite seven hours. I would have watched a seven hour one. It's it's seven episodes and each one is more compelling than the last. And it is a documentary about, I'll just describe the first episode. In the first episode, it's just a documentary about these people who own big cats in America. And... There are four or five main players in the U.S. distribution of, according to the movie, in the U.S. distribution of large cats like tigers and lions and, you know, like jungle cats. Yeah. 
they take it on themselves to like breed these animals and ship them to wealthy people or private zoos all over the country. And all these people run their own private zoos. And the main character of the movie is this guy named Joe Exotic. And what a character. There, <laughs> there are no words to describe this guy. I first saw this guy on an episode of Last Week Tonight with John Oliver like forever ago. And I remember his name from that because at one point he was running for president and they go into oh, that deep, yeah. deeply in, in this movie. They go into that a whole lot in this. Oh, and you're like, wow. So I had heard the name Joe Exotic before. And you get the whole Joe Exotic story. So this movie, as I said, starts out as just a documentary about these people who run these. What, what's the, like the term for dogs that get cranked out by the leaguer? Puppy mills. Like, yeah, it's like a tiger mill. He basically the, like these, this guy and these other people around the country just own these tiger and lion mills. And they just crank out these tiger cubs because one of their attractions is you can come and pet a baby tiger like a, a a tiger cub or a lion cub more often than not it's a tiger cub the tigers seem to crank these things out and the antagonist of the movie is this lady named carol and if you've been on the internet the last few weeks it's this this lady's name carol baskin that is getting like a lot of hate on the internet uh -huh. because of her role in this movie and much of it i feel is deserved I think I, I can't really decide because this movie or this documentary series does a wonderful job of constantly redirecting your animosity. So the first episode ends and you're like, well, what's this lady's problem? Like she's doing the same thing. You know, like she, she also like she runs this giant cat rescue like thing. Where, where her where her scam they're all con artists that's the other thing they're all con artists and she runs her own scam where she says that she's a cat rescue but she also charges people to come in she charges people to see the animals and like and the animals live in these shitty cages and at joe exotic's place they live in these slightly larger cages but he seems to like them a little more so like by the end of the first episode you're like well what's so wrong about this guy and then by the end of the second episode you're like oh this guy's terrible and then by the third episode you're like these people are all terrible and then there's the fourth episode and you're like these people are the worst people it 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 slowly devolves into this it starts out as just like a kind of bland animal rights kind of movie like who has the right to own a large cat kind of a thing right like does 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 someone who is doing it for the money or someone who says they're doing it to save animals or someone who's doing it for the money, but is honest about it. Or is it about, or does someone get to own cats because they say they're saving them, but is doing essentially the same thing. And that's like the moral argument of the first episode. And you're like, okay, that's kind of bland. And then there are six more episodes and it devolves into like the worst thing you've ever seen. And this documentary filmmaker, I don't know how long he was involved in the project. I haven't read up on anything. And I watched this show today. Like I watched all of it today. And it's like footage from like 2012 until 
late last year. And I just don't understand how this guy was able to sit on this footage for so long as like every major development would happen. Like, how could he just decide that? Well, I guess now is the time to release the story because so much happens in this thing. Like every episode is its own. You could make a feature film about every 20 minutes in this movie to tell this whole story. It is that crazy. You won't believe it while you're watching it. And they're so, the people are so trashy and they think they're, everyone thinks that they're the hero of the story and they're all monsters. They're all monsters. And then like at the end of the movie, they kind of make this, I I don't want to spoil, I won't spoil it, but they're all monsters. They're all monsters. It's just (laughs) insane. And these people are just walking around everyday life. And it's just like, what the hell? I'm going to interrupt you for just a second. Um, Please. Well, hold your thought because I'll just let my heart rate come back down. Okay. (laughs) That's the thrill you get from watching Tiger King. (laughs) So I would definitely recommend checking this out. It's crazy. There's, there are no words to describe it. Like my wife came downstairs during the last episode and started asking me all these questions because uh-huh. she was upstairs watching our children all day while I engrossed myself in this show. And I just go, you're just going to have to watch it. I can't, I can't explain everything that's going on and who all these people are. The, the movie does, or the documentary does such a great job of storytelling and spelling everything out for you. And the last episode I feel like is the most confusing because it has the most characters in it. And everyone's name begins with a J. Like there's a Joe, there's a Josh, there's a John, there's a Jeremy, I think. And you're just like, who, who paid what to do what now? And you're just like trying to follow along. So I was, I was rewinding a lot just to get the name straight because definitely didn't want to miss a moment. Yeah. So Tiger King on, uh, on Netflix, definitely check it out. I am aware that this is something that I will end up seeing. It feels kind of predetermined because I, I've just, I have already like, I, I don't know much about it other than what you've now told me, but I know it's everywhere. <laughs> you know what I mean? Just from all these memes that I've yeah, seen it's, sort it's, of it's, out of context, I'm like, okay. Yeah. Yeah. The internet makes a lot more sense today than it did yesterday. Gotcha. Because I finally saw this thing that's been out for a week, so I fell that far behind. I will say that there is one, like every time you start an episode, it tells you it's rated TVMA for various reasons, and uh-huh. it's like language and whatever, and, and sometimes it says animal harm. And I took that for the most part to mean like they, they show these lions just eating cows, like not live cows, but like butchered cows, but like the whole leg or like horse legs and stuff. And they're just feeding them to these lions because lions got to eat. I get it. Yeah. Uh, but there is this one really impactful scene that really bothered me where the one guy takes a minutes old tiger cub from its mother and he like grabs it with a stick because he can't go in the cage because the female tiger will rip him apart while she's giving birth to other tigers takes it and pulls it through like the chain link of a fence and you're just like oh my god and he's never cruel to these tiger cubs he loves the tiger cubs and honestly i want a tiger cub after watching this movie, which misses the entire point. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, yeah. But like, you're just like, oh man, if someone I knew had a tiger cub, I would totally go pet a tiger cub. Cause they look, they look like the softest, most wonderful thing you've ever seen. And I'm crazy allergic to cats. <laughs> so I would be like, <laughs> but the real problem comes when like, they're only baby cubs for like 12 weeks or maybe four months. And then at that point they become lethal. And that's where the problem, one of the, one of the problems arises with these tigers is they get, they get real big and real dangerous real quick. Yeah. I would expect that. Yeah. 
But when they're tiny, oh my God, they're cute. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that was the Tiger King. Check it out. Will do. Then that brings me to my last movie, Cirque du Freak, The Vampire's Assistant. <laughs> now, I'm actually, I'm going to, I already do have some of the stuff written down about the cast because one of my weird things is the cast. It's just who all is in this movie. Um, but I didn't write down everyone. So let me uh, see if I'm missing anyone here. So star, this movie stars John C. Riley, Selma Hayek, Joss Hutcherson. See other famous people here. But somewhere in here should be Willem. De- oh, there he is. Willem Dafoe's in this too. Hmm. Patrick Breen. wonder if that's related to Neil Breen. Oh, Jane Kukrowski's in this, who's in 30 Rock. She plays um, Jenna. Yeah. Jenna Maroney. Right. What's this called again? Cirque du Soleil? Cirque du Freak, the vampire's assistant. It's from 2009. Oh. And allow me to try to explain the plot to you. Okay. One kid likes vampires. His friend likes spiders. The spider kid becomes a vampire. Half vampire? Question mark. Not really clear, nor are the rules about what makes a vampire, a vampire, or a vampanese. That's a thing. That's the end of the plot. This movie makes no damn sense. Wait. Uh-huh. There's two kids. Yep. One of them likes vampires. Yep. One of them, are vampires a thing in this world? You know, you ask a good question <laughs> because I don't know. <laughs> like, there's, <laughs> there's nothing that implies that vampires, when they're, you know, vampire fan the kid's a vampire fan at the beginning like there's nothing to indicate that like he thinks they're a real thing right but like, then once like they tr- show it's not up like true blood where they're they just exist with people right but then once they show up there's not really any surprise either so i don't know i don't know nobody seems he's like hey i recognize that guy i read about him in my vampire books he's a vampire I'm like, huh. Oh, that brings up a good question. Is yeah. this based on some young adult book series? It has to be. I don't doubt even 1% that it is because this whole movie is just planning on a franchise. So much so that it doesn't mm. bother to be a movie at uh. all. At all. <laughs> this movie sucked. And it just, it's it's the laziest damn thing. It's all exposition for whatever the other movies were going to be. But it doesn't even explain anything. You'd spend an hour and 45 minutes on exposition that goes nowhere. It's just setting up characters, not even really like the plot. Literally at the end of the movie, I can't tell you who Willem Dafoe is. I can't tell you why he's there. He's the vampire king. No, Uh I can tell you who he's not. He's not that. (laughs) Okay. There are two different groups of people, the Vampanese and then the... I don't know. Willem Dafoe says their name once, but I have no idea who they are, and it's never explained. I'm really uncomfortable with Vampanese. Oh, you should be. The whole time I'm like, this seems racist. I don't know what this (laughs) is. And it's not clear, but the Vampanese eat people, but the vampires don't. They they drain them, but they don't kill them, I guess. I don't know. And I'm pretty sure 
that at some point in some future movie that's not going to come out, there's this fat guy named Mr. Tiny, and I'm pretty sure that at some point it's going to be revealed that he is in some way or another a spider, but it doesn't come out in this movie, and you literally don't know why he's there. He keeps showing up, and he's like, yeah, ha, 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 things are going to happen the way they happen, and I'm like, okay, are you going to tell us what that means? Nope. Nope. The movie just ends. I I said to Karina afterwards, I was like, so yeah, that movie didn't make any damn sense. And she was, you know, playing devil's advocate. So she's like, well, maybe, I mean, I was like, okay, who was that guy? Nope. No answer. Like who was Willem Dafoe? Oh, I don't know that either. I'm like, yeah, this movie's (laughs) fucking dumb. And, uh, kid, the kid who likes spiders, you said at the beginning that he becomes a vampire, becomes a vampire. Yep. But like half vampire, does that mean like half spider, half vampire? You know, this is what I'm saying. The whole spider thing, not relevant. He gets along with this one spider that belongs to a vampire, but I'm telling you, and and the reason I'm saying the fat guy has to be a spider or must be is because if the spider guy gets to be a vampire, then the vampire guy must get to be a spider. And the fat guy has eight headlights on the front of his car. That's all I got. It's stupid. Well, that the car does show up in my favorite Cirque de Freak book. Ah, well, there you go. The spider Uh, car. Yeah, yeah. With the eight headlights that look like eyes. The good. Mm -hmm. To the degree that this would be a positive thing, which it's not, but to the degree that it would be, this movie feels like a mixture of a Tim Burton movie and a Guillermo del Toro movie. So if you think that's a good thing, that's that's the good. That sounds kind of cool. You think, okay, well, good luck. Like Tim Burton aesthetics, but like done CGI well. I didn't say that. <laughs> that's that's what I've combined those two. Guillermo del Toro movies have good colors and no plots. Uh, uh-huh. Tim Burton movies make me feel gross. <laughs> so you got that. Uh, now, the other good, <laughs> and I have to admit, I did enjoy watching this movie, but it's because I was watching it with Karina. If I were watching, now usually I like watching, I like movies a little bit more when I'm watching them on my own, but if a movie outright sucks, I'd much rather be watching it with another person. And Karina and I had a pretty good time making comments to one another through Skype. So if you enjoy looking at your partner and asking them what the hell you're watching, that mm-hmm. is a good. See, so okay. the bad. It's a fun movie to make fun of. <laughs> Exactly. And I would love to be, to hear you guys try to make sense of it while it's happening. I would love for you even to be able to answer my questions. If you couldn't tell me who either, any of these people are, I'd be perfectly fine with that. So the hey, bad. Any Cirque du Freak fans out there, get in touch with the show and tell us what the thing was about. Yeah, there. do that. Okay, Matt so, wants to know. So the bad... <laughs> The plot's nothing. The second bad, nobody is important. There's just, it's, you know what it is? You liked cats, right? This is like cats, except instead of cats introducing themselves, you just have characters in a freak show introducing themselves. And that's all they do. And then at the end of the movie, the movie wants to pretend that the whole time it was some sort of romance. And I hate it. But yeah, I just want to make clear, I did not like cats. Well, you're going to, you're going to love this then. I will say, I'm probably going to end up seeing Cats 20 times. Yeah, well, if you end up seeing this once, you're going to be like, wow, what was that movie about? People do just get introduced. You'll be like, wow, that lady has a beard, and she's really attractive because she's Selma Hayek, but she didn't really do much, and she's barely in it. Here's a lizard boy. I guess he's the new best friend for the main character. He's barely. Oh, you know what? Never mind. Is well, I guess I just kind of. What's he want? I guess I just kind of put things together from the the title, but I guess it's a a touring group of circus freaks. 
Yeah, that's in there too. Okay. There are a lot of things that happen in this movie. Is the Cirque du Freak a play on Cirque du Soleil? I don't like, know. is that the joke? I don't know. I really don't know. Wow. If it is, it's not a very good joke because freak doesn't sound like soleil at all. So, okay. So there's all this hinting at mythology that never comes together. And, and it just feels like, you know, when a movie gets or a book gets split into two movies and it really didn't need to be. And you're like, mm-hmm. the first movie's just wasting time getting to the second movie. It's like mm-hmm. that, except this is the first movie of the whole franchise and it's never going to get to any of the others. Thank God, because I can only imagine <laughs> how terrible they would be. It literally was maybe 10 minutes before the end of the movie. And I said to Karina, oh, finally, it's about to start. <laughs> and then it ended. <laughs> and, That's funny. And what was supposed to be the climax just was really anticlimactic. I was like, wait, was that, was that it? And I, and I, it was, like I said, it was just like a minute or two after I had said to Karina, I think this movie's finally going to start. And then this fight, I guess, sort of happened. And then I looked at the time and I was like, I got news for you. This movie's over. There are only nine minutes left and we haven't seen the credits. So that's pretty much going to be the credits. And then they're like, oh, by the way, it's a romance. And you're like, what? When did that happen? All right, whatever. I don't care. Is it a romance? Is it a movie about friends becoming enemies? Is it a movie about the hero's journey? No, it's an introduction to all of those things. And that's it. It's weird that this cast has so many of these people in it who are like bigger names, but I have an explanation for that. It was wanting to be a franchise. So these people were probably told, hey, we have the next Harry Potter. Don't you yeah. want to be in it? And You're that's how they the got these people. Floor, yeah. uh-huh. Yep. It yeah. totally it's, feels that way. You said 2009, right? So that's yep. like the year after Harry Potter ended. That is... Not uh, it's very that's close. That's two years before the last Harry Potter came out. Really? Yeah. Yeah. The last Harry wow. Potter came out in 2011. Wow. Yeah. I thought those were wrapped up by the end of the aughts. Nope. Nope. Oh, interesting. But I am very convinced that that is how they got these people in this movie. And, uh, and here's the weirdest thing with all that stuff that was weird about it. The weirdest thing is this, you know, John C. Riley's voice, right? Uh How would you describe it? Like this? Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Watch this movie. His voice. It, it doesn't do that at all. He, he doesn't have any of that talking from his throat slash nasal Riley kind of it he just has a i don't know if they edited that out somehow or what but it's very weird because he doesn't have his voice and i can't imagine i cannot imagine that they trained him that they did some sort of voice coaching for the sake of cirque du so freak (laughs) the vampire's assistant it it just is john c Riley a vampire yeah he's the he's he's the the second most main character yes and you're probably wondering what his assistant does for him and i can tell you this there's one scene in which he he sweeps out a cage of some sort. And that's it. The whole movie, he's not doing any assisting because just there's no, uh, there's nothing. You know when people say there's no there there? This is that movie. Oh. 100%. I wow. want you to watch it. <laughs> <laughs> I'll watch it when you watch Cats. Yeah, fine. <laughs> I had an idea for a theme month for us. Yeah. Um, Listen. And the the title of the month is called November Pain. 
Oh, no, I'm not doing this. I'm already instead, yeah. instead of November rain, but we flip a coin and the first week, whoever wins decides what movie we both have to watch or maybe just the other person has to watch. No, no. And then the next that. week, I'm not playing that game. And then the next week, the other person gets to pick nope. the movie. And we do that for the month of November. Yeah, I'm not getting into that contest. You can do that with someone else. Bring back one of the old hosts. <laughs> You know, it's funny you, you say that because I was looking, I was doing a lot of work on the show recently. Yeah. And I got the website sort of working again. It's live. And it's weekendfilm.com. That's right. And I realized, hey, Matt, you've been a part of the show for just about 100 episodes. Wow. So you're due for a pay raise. Nice. <laughs> so enjoy that. I would like my salary to go up 100%. You got it. All right. You drive a hard bargain, but you can have it. Cool. In fact, I'm going to uh, go with a thousand percent. Oh boy, you really got me bent over a barrel here. <laughs> yeah, I expect I expect some piece of that Olive Garden gift card we got <laughs> a couple years ago. I want more TGI Fridays from the from the big ticket. Yeah, and and more sunglasses. Yes, you get to have half of the the Broken Arrow sunglasses from listener Travis. Oh right. Actually, you know what? Those, those that I'm sorry, the whole sunglasses are yours. Yeah, now that was that was there. No, the, the we have one pair. No, but, but you I gave won't, me a hundred percent raise, sucker. It's on tape. <laughs> I have it recorded. Yeah, listener Travis gave you the Broken Arrow themed sunglasses. All right, so it's time for our movie rankings list, and I have my list open right here, so I'll go first. Go for it, Matt. What do you think? I am going to give 1917. I think you are going to give 1917 three and a half stars. I find this is more fun when I get my calculator out. So I'm going to get my calculator out. (laughs) All right. So plot for 1917. I'm going to give this movie a three for the plot because it's pretty bland. It's not bad in any way, but it's it's I would have liked something a little more, especially for how heavy the movie is acting in this movie. I'm going to give it a four and a half. The main character in this movie was also in when you said Viggo Mortensen, it reminded me that the two actors, the main guy from 1917 and Viggo Mortensen were in that Captain Fantastic movie. I watched forever ago. Oh, that's what that was called. And I really like this this actor who was in 1917. He's very good in Captain Fantastic, and he's very good in this movie. So I'm excited to see what this young man brings to the to the craft. But it's very good. Uh, I'm going to give the the movie a 4.0 for acting. I was going to give it a four or five, but then the the Doctor Strange stuff happens. Yeah. Uh, pacing, the movie gets four and a half. The movie flies along. Uh, you know what? I'm going to dial it back a little bit. It does kind of get bogged down in itself uh, in some parts where you're just kind of like, all right, come on. Aesthetic, five stars. Easy five stars. It's gorgeous. It's beautiful. It's of the best picture movies I've seen this year. I think I got to go with it for best picture over... Uh, wow over parasite uh just for looks alone like parasite although i have i was reading an article about parasite recently and like a lot of the stuff that people really like about it i guess in south korea are inside south korea jokes like at one point they're drinking um really cheap beer Uh at the beginning of the movie and at the end of the movie or towards the end of the movie they're drinking very expensive beer uh but but, you wouldn't know that as a but i wouldn't notice that right so that's just like a thing that went over my head but like when i read it i was like oh i can appreciate that that's a that's pretty clever Uh, i'm glad that i know that and if i see this movie again i will pay more attention but this this movie aesthetically it's fantastic it's it's just wonderful overall enjoyment of this movie i'm gonna give it a four i really liked it so there you go yeah you gave it a four overall beautiful day in the neighborhood 
What do you think I'm going to give this movie? I think you're going to give it a three. For plot, I'm going to give it a two and a half, actually. I'm going to go with two and a half for plot. Acting, I'm going to give it a four. Pacing, I think I'm going to give it another two and a half. It does feel long, especially the end does feel long. There is one sequence when the guy is walking around New York City with Mr. Rogers and everyone just kind of like sees Mr. Rogers. Like everyone knows who Mr. Rogers is, the old people and the young people, because he's been on, he was on TV for so long. And then there's this one sequence where they're on a subway car in New York City and these young girls start singing the Mr. Rogers neighborhood theme yeah. song. Yeah. And it's in the trailer and it's hokey in the trailer and it's kind of hokey when it happens in the movie. But by the time they sing the whole song and by the end of the song, you kind of have the same look on your face that Mr. Rogers does, where it's like, that was really nice. Very good job. I enjoyed that. And you're like, wow, I wish I could be in a moment where humanity came together like that. <laughs> so general aesthetic of this movie, I would give it a three. It's not poorly made or anything like that. And it looks it looks quite good. There's a lot of model work and they really do like rebuild the whole Mr. Rogers set and like all that, all that stuff. Like it really like, did you watch it growing up? Like I watched it growing up. I was like, whoa, we're here. That was neat. I watched it uh, as but, a kid. And so, like, you recognize everything. You're like, oh, wow, this is weird. But then uh, general overall of the movie, I'm going to give it a three for my overall oh. enjoyment. Well, you gave this movie a three. Oh, you got it spot on. Congratulations. Thank you. All right. Now, see, this next thing isn't going to show up on the Letterboxd website because it's a TV show. Well, so I'm just going to say- anyway. I'm going to rate it anyway, but I'm just going to give my overall and I'm going to give it a four and a half. So Tiger King, four and a half for actually five. It gets a five for enjoyment. What? I enjoyed the hell. I get a, it gets a five because I enjoyed the hell out of it. Oh, man. All the other scores would be slightly would be all over the place. But like as far as enjoyment, five stars. All right. Opening up your list and you saw all kinds of movies this week. Yep. I saw what? all the movies this week that you thought I was going to see last week. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what did you talk about first? Birds of uh, Prey. Birds of Prey. What do you think I'm going to give it? I think you're going to give it a three. I think your enjoyment's going to pull it pull it up so story wise uh, i'm gonna give it a two not much story to this movie acting oh this is kind of hard because there are some really lamos and then there's margot robbie and even though he's bringing some weird energy to it i feel like you and mcgregor actually does a good job i'm gonna give the acting a three although the young lady journey smollett last name did such a good job pretending she was zoe kravitz i don't know pacing hmm it's such a kind of frenetic movie. Uh, it, I'm going to give pacing a three and a half because I don't okay. think I was bored at all. Aesthetics. Oh, God. Okay. So here's one thing about the aesthetics is like, and I guess I mentioned this, but it's just so busy all the time. Like mm -hmm. one thing I don't like about the look of Harley Quinn, and it's certainly not my, Margot Robbie. She's a beautiful woman, but like the outfits that they put her in are just like all these clashing colors, which works for the character, I guess. But as far as like the look of things, it makes my eyes tired. And watching mm -hmm. this movie, my eyes got tired in a lot of scenes. So I'm going to rate the aesthetics pretty low. I'm going to go two. And then enjoyment, I am going to go three and a half. And we'll punch those through the algorithm at some point in the future. Yeah, you never get to know because... I can't run two computers at the same yeah, time. Yeah, man. Calculators just take too much energy. It's a lot of work. 
guess I could just do it while I'm going. Uh, What's so next up? You green have, Book. I think you're going to give this a three as well. All right. So a uh, story for Green Book, I will go with three. Acting, I'm going to give a four and a half. Pacing, huh? I, you know what? The pacing... Huh, the pacing of the story is weird because things happen way too quickly. But the pace of the movie, as far as feeling like it's moving along, is pretty good. Hmm. I'm going to go with a four. Four. That okay. feels weird. I want to give it two different scores. Aesthetics. It's a beautiful movie. I'm going to give it a four. And enjoyment, I am going to give a three and a half. I think that's going to average out higher than a three because maybe most all of them are. So. Who knows with math? It's complicated. Nobody understands math. No one does. <laughs> it's a mystery. Next up is Jumanji 3. Ah, uh, no. Jumanji 2. Reboot right? 2. Or is the, f- is the first Rock one a sequel to the Robin Williams one? I have no idea. Oh, man. I don't even know now. Okay. Well, whatever. I oh, think yeah. you're going to give this movie a two and a half. Story, I'm going to give it a one. Wow. There's just no story here. Acting, I'm going to give it a four. Yeah, I mean, this isn't like Oscar kinds of roles. But as far as performing goes, these people did as well as you can do. So, yeah. Would you say that it just kind of lives and dies on The Rock's charm and he brings it? No, it's not all The Rock. There's The Rock. Uh, Kevin Hart does a good job. Jack Black has some good moments. Um, oh, my God. I forgot Jack Black was even in that. Yeah, and, and you can, but... He does have some good moments, even though they're in there for no reason. Like there's a lot of sh- stuff that's just shoehorned in there. The car- the actors do get to do more things. They end up playing more parts in some ways. I don't know what her name is, but she played the blue girl in Avengers or Gen- Guardians Gillian. of the Galaxy. Yeah, is she in this? I think that's her name. Sounds right. Uh, she she's played, good. Uh, in she's it. Nebula in yeah Nebula Guardians. Yeah. So she does a good job, and when they're in it, Danny DeVito and Danny Glover do a fine job. When they're not in it, but they're implied to be in it by The Rock and Kevin Hart, they do a good job. All right, pacing. This movie does kind of drag at some points. I'm going to go with a two and a half on pacing. Aesthetics. You know, actually, there were quite a few moments where I thought stuff looked pretty crappy. So I'm going to go with a two and a half on that and enjoyment i think i'm gonna go with a two and a half now your blue chip of the night cirque de freak i think you're gonna give this movie a one (laughs) and a half i think you're gonna give it a one and a half all right the story gets a point five oh god (laughs) (laughs) the acting gets a one the pacing gets a point five Wow. It's just it just didn't earn anything. It didn't do anything right. It's not even a matter of hating it. I don't hate it. It doesn't think it's great. <laughs> That's what you have to do to piss me off is think you're better than you are. Uh, it thinks it's going to make money, but it doesn't seem to think it's good. It's not contagion, uh-huh. but it's it just doesn't do anything right. So pacing, 0. 0.5, 0.5, because, uh, yeah, it was boring. Aesthetics. It looks pretty crappy. I'm going to go with a one and a half for aesthetic enjoyment, too. Because you had fun. Yeah, some. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well. Yeah, I'm going to be curious to see what that all comes to next week. You asked earlier uh-huh. where some of your other movies have ended up. 
And I can I can tell you that, but if you'd like to see it, check out thisweekinfilm.com. And on the left side of the screen, you'll see a thing that says our lists on Letterboxd. And you can click that, and it'll take you right to our list. And it has all the movies in the rankings that they're currently in, maybe even including the next week's episode, depending on when I get to it. <laughs> and it has the breakdown of all the, the scores that we gave it in there, too. So go ahead and give that a, a check out. But as far as you're concerned, Matt, the best movie of all time was Jojo Rabbit, and I, Tanya comes in third place, and The Forest is in last place. Now, which do you think came out on top? Fighting with My Family or Terminator Dark Fate? <laughs> um, man, that's a good question. Uh, fighting with My Family? No, Terminator Dark Fate. Oh, that must have been enjoyment points. Yeah, and it actually was a tie with I, Tanya. What? And it came down It came down to the tiebreaker points. What does that mean? Oh, it's very complicated. You could read all about the rules on the letterbox pages. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, the Terminator, it had the same score as I, Tanya, and it came down to the, the differentiator. If there is a tie, the co-host score comes into play, and the difference between the guess and the actual number will decide the placement. <laughs> <laughs> Makes sense? Great. Let us never speak of it again. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I gotta say, I... I Jojo Rabbit's such a different movie from The Invisible Man. I guess I shouldn't be surprised that it's the highest one. But that Invisible Man movie, I, I want to see that again. Going back to my list real quick, yeah. in case anyone's wondering, the greatest movie of all time is currently Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse with Contagion hot on its heels. And because we live in the world that Contagion exists in, we are currently at the point when the states start quarantining themselves from other states. So right now in the real life, we are at the point where Matt Damon is trying to get into Wisconsin and the National Guard won't let him in. So that's where we are in the real world right now as far as contagion is concerned. Stand by for next week for our however this thing shakes out update. We're all excited to hear how the Tarzan movies rate against each other. The best Tarzan movie is Greystoke. Number two is Legend of Tarzan, the newest one. And the worst movie of all time by Just a Shade defeating cats is tarzan the ape man and in fact while i'm looking at the score legend of tarzan and cats had the same score and then they had the same modifier which means we had to go to the second tiebreaker which is overall enjoyment of the movie which is which is what put tarzan slightly above cats uh-huh yeah boy uh so nick sent me a clip of judy <laughs> dench singing the the song at the end of Cats. And man, if I wasn't about to pee myself watching this thing go on and on. And man, does Judy Dench look like she wants it to be over too. She looks like she's like, am I done yet? Oh, I have another line. Like she's looking away, getting ready to go to her dressing room. And then someone points her back and is like, no, keep singing. And she's like, oh, I got to go back. And then she's like, more verses another line. Be? Oh, and none of them are important at all. Not she is not all. saying anything. Nothing. She says so many words without saying a thing. Oh, oh man. God damn it. And then I sent you that clip from Tarzan. <laughs> yeah. I don't have as much to say about that other than that I didn't <laughs> need to see it. Uh, that goes on for forever. Matt, anything for Midwest Matt recommends this week? I do not have anything to recommend this week. Okay. 
I have already recommended everyone check out the website, thisweekinfilm.com. And if you want to tell us what you saw in movies this week, send us an email at thisweekinfilmpodcast at gmail.com or get in touch with us on the social networks. Otherwise, I guess that's it, right? you have anything else? No, I don't have anything to add. Well, if that Thanks, is the everybody. end of the reel, we'll see you next week in film. And remember, judge movies and politicians not people. <laughs>